This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. The spectacle of pro sports used to be almost entirely about what happened on the playing surface. But these days it's also about the venue and the technology and creative used to create memorable and shareable experiences. If you're paying 75 bucks a ticket and 12 bucks a beer, there should perhaps be more entertainment than someone just belting out national anthems. The Seattle Kraken are a new team in the National Hockey League, based out of one of the most tech-adept cities in the world, in a brand new arena that has digital screens everywhere. There are 224 LED displays at Climate Pledge Arena, populated with content specifically geared to the game day experience of hockey fans. I had a terrific chat with Johnny Greco, the very excitable senior VP of entertainment and experience for the Kraken. We spoke about what fans see before and during games, the thinking behind the creative and the technology used at the venue. We also get into his mindset and insights drawn from years and years of delivering experiences, including the -the over-the-top world of WWE pro wrestling and the mother of all pre-match experiences, the Knights and Swords opener to Las Vegas Golden Knights hockey games. Johnny, thank you for joining me. I I, I wanted to read out a description so listeners can get their heads around everything that's going on with your gig. There are 224 LED displays at Climate Pledge Arena which is more than 28,000 square feet of digital signs. There are 173 displays outside the main seating bowl. So you have one hell of a lot of screens to operate. (laughs) That's a a good intro, Uh, right? You've got all these amazing world-class tools. You get them during a pandemic while the arena is being built. Uh, You're about to start a brand new franchise. And now what? Where do we go, right? So uh, super excited. unbelievable honor to be here. I truly think we're just scratching the surface with all of this incredible technology. And and you'll hear me a lot as a theme as we chat here. And I'm so thankful to be on your podcast, but story over sexy. We can have the most expensive toys mm-hmm. and all these phenomenal shiny lights. But if you don't create a compelling story and a narrative that pulls people in, it doesn't really matter. So I, I'm always kind of threading that line of technology and, and the art, you know, where they sort of fuse together to find that really happy galvanization of spirit. Yeah, I think the creative direction is so important. I, I mean, I, I get press releases every day about, the, you know, the, the next giant LED display at yeah. a sports venue. And in a lot of cases, you know, it's it's 100 meters long, 100 yards yep. long and yep. you know, this big and everything else. But you know, they don't talk at all about what's on there. And it's just this big ass display. And you right, know, so right. what? They put up, they put up color bars. It's like, cool. Look at it. It's like, yeah, yeah look at how know, big it is. Know. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So with, with all those displays, does your, does your gig extend out into the concourses or are you just talking about the game experience 
once you get into the seeding bowl? Yeah, that's a thoughtful question because I think traditionally, as we know, game presentation, whether you're juniors, minor league, collegiate, major league sports, game presentation is kind of like on the football field, the music, the mascot, maybe maybe the cheerleaders, maybe your promotional team, uh, the, the, the intermission you know, performances or concerts, but everything kind of that lives in the bowl. And I think holistically, game presentation has turned into less of a presentation and more of an experience over the last few years, especially. And we're mm-hmm. looking at this holistic approach to like, not just, you, you can't just be in the bowl to hear the song or, oh, they just scored. Like, you need to know about this on the entire campus that might be your home base, right? You should know mm-hmm. something happened, in my opinion, in the parking lot as you're walking in. You should know about it, you know, whether you're on Twitter, as you're looking at it, as you're going up the escalator. If you're in line to get a burger, you know, the screen display should have your goal animation going if you score a goal. And you create this kind of connected experience as we roll. And again, as you kind of teed it up 28,000 square feet of led on a 74 acre campus there's a lot of screens to cover so you have to do it thoughtfully then you have to balance like the wayfinding and the marketing and then just the straight energy game presentation you know for that moment while promoting other events that are coming so there's a lot to juggle and kind of like i said we're just dipping our toes in the water so we we learn a lot every day and sometimes we get it really right. <laughs> sometimes we miss. And sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. So we're excited about the evolution, game in, game out, event in, event out here in Seattle. So I've not been to a Kraken game. Uh, it, it's a bit of a drive for me, given where I live. Uh, yeah. What, what What's the game day experience, as you described? If you're out in the parking lot or you get off yeah. the, uh, you know, what is it, the there's a monorail there or something. Yeah, monorail, like exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's all part of it. Yeah, so we, yeah. the game so, experience, it, there's a lot to it. Yeah. So you, when, are you, when do you start seeing the stuff that you're controlling, you're influencing? Yeah, I think we have a real connected organization as far as like the storytelling of our brand, mm-hmm. right? Like early that day, the team has morning skate. Well, there's going to be content, you know, on all of our social channels that's going to kind of tell a little bit of the story of that night, right? We've got our own app where it's going to talk to you about traffic. It's going to, you, you get your Orca card. So you're able to take that monorail that you speak about to be able to get in to help mitigate the traffic. Like, mm-hmm. so, so the, the game day experience is, you know, you, you could argue it starts before the game day, but the day of the morning of you're getting messages, you're hearing about what's going on. You're finding out what, you know, what's the strategy going into the game as we play. And, and it also just kind of ramps up as you near puck drop things that you had just mentioned that monorail experience, which, you know, is, is a mile or two away, we have an audio file with our, our broadcasters welcoming fans onto mm-hmm. the monorail, right? We've got a, a, this armory sort of indoor space that we activate with our promo team, our icebreakers and our C-Squad. And, you know, we've got video screens there. And we're doing trivia and we're welcoming people in the most hospitable way we can to just thanks for being a part of this. It's not once you sit in your seat and you have your beer at the game that you're connected to the Seattle Kraken or Climate Pledge Arena. It is way more expansive than that. And that's something we're continuously working on because, yes, the screens all over that campus are helping you find your way or teaching you about what's coming up. But we also just want to completely engage with our audience all the time so they get excited. They know what's going on. They're, they're being educated about the process, particularly as this building opened. But we can continuously inform our fans to illuminate their experience when we can. Now, is part of that because going to a sports event now is expensive? Ooh, yeah. Uh, 
for the ticket, for the concessions, for the everything. So uh, in, in my days when I would go to a uh, Calgary Flames game when I lived out yeah. west, yeah, uh, the game day's experience was paying. You're getting through the gate, grabbing a beer, sitting down, and then yeah. the entertainment was somebody singing "Oh Canada," and <laughs> yeah. th then the game was on, and that's it. Uh, the, yeah. like modern pro sports is it's it's like a total spectacle, right? It's I think it's changed a lot, and and don't don't uh, do a disservice to "Oh Canada." It's a heck of an anthem. I love it every it time. I hear it. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> anthem, but I, I do think humanity looks at experiences differently than we ever have before. It's always evolving, right? You can go back 20 years and like, what was the experience about? It was kind of exactly what you explained. And that even upwards of 15, 10 years ago is kind of that. And now people want more bang for their buck, whatever they're paying for tickets or beers or, or snacks and concessions. The time is our most valuable, precious resource. And we're understanding that more than ever over the last couple of years. So when we have this time, how we spend it is so important to us. So we need to make sure that we're being thoughtful in creating that experience that connects people with the brand, with the team, with the game. But in my opinion, also protects you from maybe a, a game where the Flames at the Saddle Dome don't play very well that night and they lose mm -hmm. 5 nothing, but they still had a great experience and they're telling their friends about it. And even though they lost, we've done our jobs in creating that fun, right? Let's just, let's mm -hmm. call it what it is. I, I go to a game because I want to have fun for a few hours and I still had fun, even though, you know, some of the things we couldn't control didn't go our way. I think that's just what fans in general are coming to experience, regardless of the costs. Um, it's that way. If you're going to Disney world, if you're going to a jazz club, um, you go, you go to the beach, like, like you want to make sure that you have as much of an engaged experience as you can. It's definitely part of the consciousness of, of us as humans nowadays, mm -hmm. for sure. You, you came to this gig having done a whole bunch of what looked like pretty interesting gigs that are mainly in sports. The yeah. the three that hit me were live event production for pro wrestling yeah. and uh, video direction for curling at the Olympics in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little awesome. different from pro wrestling. And then the big one was uh, working for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Yep. Now, did, did you... Were, were you is the spectacle that is the openers of the the Vegas Knights games with the you know, with all the hoo ha going on? Yeah. Is that is that you? Did you did you, you do know, that? Yeah, <laughs> some people would definitely call it hoo ha. Uh, I think um, yes, I, I was I was a part of that, and we had a hell of a team, hell of hell of a great leadership who kind of saw vision and and mm -hmm. put kind of the the entertainment at the forefront of the experience, and then. Just knowing you were in Vegas, like you were going to do it a little bit different, right? You, you were just allowed. You had a different kind of permission to, to get a little wild that mm -hmm. fit the region, you know, on brand, you know, kind of in a style that fit the team. And then, you know, you start winning games. There's a lot more permission you have to fail and try different things because uh, mm -hmm. people just are in a better mood. I mean, people like to win. That, that's been around for a long time. So, yeah, I think <laughs> that, that list you just mentioned, Dave, like, it is a funny list when you go like, oh, curling to, to WWE wrestling. <laughs> Shout out to Halifax. I've been there. We did a show there. I loved it. Absolutely beautiful. But but And then, you know, Vegas and now Seattle. The truth is, though, the more different opportunities I get blessed to be on and be a part of, the more mm -hmm. projects and teammates I get to, like, collaborate with and contribute to, the more I realize just how similar there there is to all of it, right? Curling, again, what we were talking about, it's an experience. You're enjoying. You may love the sport. You may never have seen it before, but you want it to be at the Olympics. 
but you're going to love the music. You're going to love the, the natural inherent drama of sport, right? You may not be a WWE fan, but you probably know who Hulk Hogan is, right? Like there's, there's, there's elements where we're all connected in these experiences. And the truth is we all love a good story. Stories have been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And it may be the story within a song. It may be a story in, in the written form of a book. It may be a, a micro story of the kiss cam within, you know, 30 other promotions at a game in St. Mm-hmm. Louis that you see. But there's stories inherently every day that we see. And, and if you can share them in a certain way and you can make your good guys, bad guys uh, compelling then all mm-hmm. of a sudden people are pulled into it and they care about the story. And then they care about, again, whether it's a pro wrestler, a, a pro curler or, or a pro hockey player, uh, they're all characters in the ensemble of the show, of the entertainment, of the film, of the movie, of the story that we want to be a part of. Right. Did, was the work that you were involved in with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the, the mm-hmm. NHL team there, was that what got you up to Seattle, did the Seattle people go, yeah, we want that? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, like all of us, we're on these journeys and paths. And, and you know, I was, I was doing some research on you as, as uh, I was prepping for this podcast. And, Uh-oh. you know, it kind of said you had a boss back in the day where he's like, Internet's just a fad. It's not going to last. But you yeah. were somebody who was like, no, I see where this is headed. And sometimes you got to just have the guts to, to do something that isn't necessarily uh, what people expect or see. And, and I, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Henry Ford, obviously, right? Like um, with, with cars, right? And he, he went on to obviously do pretty well for himself, but he always asked, he was asked at one point, you know, uh, your clients, your people, people buying this, like, you know, and, and the thing was, he says, if I would have asked people what they wanted versus kind of just doing my own thing, if I would have asked people what they wanted, they would have said they wanted a faster horse. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Because it's a little bit about like, sometimes we need to show people or expose people to things that they don't know they want. They don't know Mm -hmm. they're going to love this. And if we talk about it, we may talk ourselves out of it because it sounds crazy because it's never been done because it won't work. And all those reasons, yes, that may be the case. But if we can suspend our own disbelief a little bit and just go for it sometimes and be willing to fail because you're going to, I think you get really unique opportunities. So Vegas was an amazing opportunity built off of relationships from previous jobs. The team president there, Kerry Bubles, who's a great friend and just an awesome, awesome human being. I used to work with him back in the Cleveland Cavaliers days when we were working with LeBron James a million years ago. And you kind of stay connected to these people. So it was a recipe of, of uh, pretty interesting elements when we got to Vegas. It worked out well. And I've been given some pretty neat opportunities since then. But I, I do think the opportunities come from more of the relationships than and your last gig matters. It really does. But I do think it's mm-hmm. the body of work as you continue on. And I had actually gone from Vegas to Madison Square Garden to go work for the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers, which was unbelievable to be at you know the Mecca. But I'd mm-hmm. only done it for actually nine months before the Seattle opportunity came. And, you know, there was a, a pandemic that happened as well. So there were a lot of variables where it's like, what's the right move right now creatively for my family? And everything else. So it was only a cup of coffee in New York, but I've been, I've had a few really neat opportunities and I've been able to meet and connect with some really interesting people um, through Vegas and even before that with WWE and some of the other opportunities as well. 
Yeah, and it must have been pretty cool to effectively have a, a blank slate that, uh, like Madison Square Gardens is a pretty old arena. I don't know how old it yes. is, like 40 years yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. there's only so much you can do in terms of LED displays and new technology yep. in there versus, yeah. you know, Seattle here and, you know, Tech Central. And, yeah. you know, they, they, they went to town with it. Yeah, they did. And it's, it is, it's a really good point, right? You've got these beautiful venues and arenas all over the world, and you don't really want to mess with them. Like Wrigley Field, you probably should only go so far with how much LED you put there, right? Because it's yeah, just this Fenway. beautiful Fenway, same idea. Like, like they, they, it would almost be a disservice to like the history of the game mm -hmm. in that in that space. I think in Seattle, it was really unique. And, and at the time, you know, what I had read was was the most LED in any arena you know, on the planet, you know, and that, that probably changes every five minutes, but I know a few months mm -hmm. ago, that was the case over here. Um, and, but they had the opportunity because it was a brand new arena, you know, in this beautiful city that is this transcendent science, technology, medical, right? You think of Amazon, Boeing, Microsoft, all of these things, Starbucks, these companies that are out here that have these, these pioneers of, of creativity and technology, it, it was very fitting out here. But I think you learn a little bit of, you know, in, in the hockey terms, right? Original programming, that innovative, mm -hmm. super unique, but then also honor original six, right? Like honor yeah. the game, honor the tradition, know whose great grandpas were here playing the game and what they loved and, and trying to fuse it together. And I think depending on the city you're in, if you're in Boston, it's going to be a lot different than if you're in Arizona, like how you sort of ratio those two elements. Um, mm -hmm. But again, whether you have one screen or you have 344 screens, Make sure you're putting up content that's interesting. Otherwise, people are going to walk right past it and they're not going to notice it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that struck me about uh, what you what you're up to or what what your team's up to is. Mm -hmm. I, I've been in a number of new build or renovated arenas in the last few years uh, when when we were still doing things like getting on airplanes. Right, uh, and in those cases, it was. You know, they're putting in big LED video walls and everything else, but it was all about commerce. It was yeah. about uh, running different sponsor messages. Yeah. If it was an NBA game versus an NHL game, it was about efficiency and so on. And and what I'm seeing with what's being done at Climate Pledge is it's about the experience and it's about setting the tone. So you've got like this giant aquarium and things like that. Can you kind of yeah. describe what uh, people see? Sure. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, Dave, when you talk about like, sort of just the philosophy of other venues. Like you go to like a uh, form the artist formerly known as Staples Center in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like they they need the digital signage to help with some of their changeovers, right? Like I've been there when they had an LA Kings game that morning or that afternoon and then an LA Clippers game that night. Like they need to switch from like black and white design to like red and blue within a few hours, right? Yeah. Completely transforming the arena. And nothing can make that process quicker than like the digital signage abilities, right? So like you said, not even a few years ago, it was, it was it was signage, it was sponsorship, and it was like put the logo here and buy a hot dog or whatever else. But now they're trying to connect it to just again more of like where you're being sold, but it sure doesn't feel like being sold. I feel like I'm watching something really, really cool and threading mm -hmm. it into the show. And it was a big part of our own storytelling as you entered Climate Pledge Arena with this grandiose atrium space that we have, where we were kind of like, well. You know, one of our taglines for the Kraken is it's the welcome to the deep, right? It's the deep fear, the deep mm. We're we're the, in the deep, right? That's where the Kraken lives, this mythical beast. And, you know, the arena itself is, is subterranean. It's underground to, to do this insane over billion dollar um, 
arena build, they, they literally lifted the historic roof from 1962, took everything else out of it, and rebuilt this insanely beautiful arena underneath and then put the roof back on. Well, to do that, you had to go underneath as well. So as we looked at the layout of the arena and as we looked at these video screens, part of this really cool grandiose entrance as you come in, you get to go down these massive escalators with these huge LED screens, video screens through Dactronics. And we said, well, we could put like a Pepsi logo on there, but like that's not like again, that's just a big yeah. logo. That's not a, that's uh-huh. not innovative. There's not a story. It doesn't necessarily make me thirsty. But instead, we had the support from our leadership to like, well, let's create an atmosphere. And what we thought of like, it's like, all right, you're going down underground. We're going to the deep. We're seeing the kraken, which is an underwater creature. We're in Seattle. Let's let's kind of dig deep. And and as you go down the escalator, let's go underwater. Let's let's see an orca that's indigenous to this space. Let's see the type of um, rock formations that you would see at the base of the Puget Sound. Let's build out a space to give people, again, that kind of experience. And it almost feels like you're at, like the Atlanta Aquarium or something. Mm-hmm. As you go under, you're like, oh, there's a seal, right? There's a sea lion going by. Like, So it was neat that we had that sort of support. And then instead of like just founding partner logos splattered all over the place, we have a school of fish swim by. As, mm. as it goes past the Amazon logo, right? Or, or the Alaska Airlines logo. So it, it's it's sort of a thoughtful way of fusing the two together where it's like, of course, we have incredible partners that we want to honor and showcase, but we also had their support to create this experience that just felt a, a lot more elegant than, than even in previous worlds I've been a part of. It's just not slapping it on there. It's much more of a, a collaboration and integration of brand fusion together to help it feel just more like an experience than me just looking at a sign. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you've uh, fought this verbal battle a few times with uh, the, the specialty leasing people and other folks who say, yeah, yeah, this immersive entertainment stuff is awesome, but I need to make, uh, yeah. you know, I, I need this Pepsi logo on here or this yeah. Corona logo. logo. Yeah. yeah, I think we all have. I think it's one of our biggest opportunities as, as people kind of in that sports entertainment production world is is working, locking arms with your corporate partnership side of things because it does bring in a lot of revenue and it does bring in great brand awareness. It does bring in great relationships long term that help, you know, a business work. But but you don't want it to just be all or nothing. You don't want it to be always black and white. Like there's this really neat fusion of gray that you can find that that kind of everyone can sort of be enlightened. And it kind of goes back to the point we were making before about you know, let's let's show you how this works. It's not always the most quantifiable, but there is a feeling when something just lands well. And, you know, it's not a perfect science. And again, we, we make plenty of mistakes on our journeys and our professional careers for sure. But it is fun when you're in a supportive place that nurtures creativity, nurtures storytelling and lets you try some things sometimes. You know, uh, we, we know we did some things pretty, pretty well here, but we also know we've got a lot of places to grow and develop and keep evolving because everyone's chasing everyone's trying to to do a great job together right so let's lift each other up and and inspire one another hi i'm jeremy gavin ceo of ScreenFeed. now i'm not put off by the fact that you're not listening to this podcast to hear me just like audiences to any digital signage you give your attention to content you find interesting or helpful that's where my company ScreenFeed comes in our sole mission is to make your digital signage network more valuable by making content that is more valuable to your audience. If you'd like to drive more attention to your screens, visit ScreenFeed.com to explore the 75-plus content options we've created to do just that. And then give us a call. Now, back to the podcast. Does the 
job touch some of the purely commercial aspects of digital science? So I, I, I know in some arenas, if somebody scores a goal, and I think you talked a little bit, yeah, bit about yeah. this before, that the concession displays that are showing you know, beer is $500 or whatever they cost now, uh, that's, uh, it'll, it'll go to a replay of the goal and then go back to the beer menu or whatever. Are yeah. you doing that? Yeah, we're, we're not doing it as well as we'd like yet. But it's 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 actually we, we had some recent meetings about this, like let's do the really uh, thorough walk arounds in the arena itself, because, you know, when you start and open up a brand new arena this quickly in a pandemic, <laughs> I've said that before, it's there's a lot of like, well, let's just get it going. Let's get it working. Mm -hmm. Right. And literally uh, it's happening like as we're doing this, this conversation, we, we just got some decimators to help us with some of our our, our delays on our LED screens on the back wall of our press bridge because our fans in that area, this super unique area, they don't have complete line of sight to our video screens, our twins as we call them. So mm. they have these LED screens with our program out, which is awesome, except it's, I don't know what the time, in two to three second delay on some things. And we all know, like if you're a little bit late to the joke of the, or the punchline or the goal, it's like, it's a little bit less of a connected experience. So there's, there's constant little technical um, elevations we're trying to find to make mm. it a more comprehensive experience for people. But I do think, you know, we have a, we have a ways to go as far as we score a goal that lights up everywhere. That underwater space currently, when we score a goal, that's not being lit up with our goal animation and cutting cameras and stuff. But we know that's where we want to go to just create that moment where even if you're not in the bowl for a second, you feel what just happened because there's not many cooler moments uh, in sports entertainment than that goal horn going off, crowd going nuts. And if you can be a part of it somehow, we want to include everyone, right? But mm -hmm. you know, when you walk out of the bathroom, you're like, "Oh, what just happened?" You know, no one wants to be the 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 last one uh, um, to the dance floor, right? So right. we want we want to help everyone feel like they're the first. Is there some sort of a show control system that's running all this or what, what are you using? Yeah. So we work with Dactronics and, and I'll say this right away. There are 15 people way smarter than me on the technology side that I work with <laughs> uh, that, that could go a lot further into this, but it is show control for all of our, our ribbons and um, Dactronics video screens. And then we're mm -hmm. using triple play for all of our IPTV needs. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's, that's run through um, our incredible, group from the climate pledge arena side because they're doing more than just the cracking games right they have events all the concerts time. So and everything yeah 100 percent. yeah exactly so if you're using dactronics for that uh, as you add more stuff you you, ju you just go back to them makes sense i suppose yeah i think i think you know with technology you're always looking for like you know i don't want to say the best but who helps us tell our story? Who helps us create that experience? Mm -hmm. And Dactronics have been incredible partners and they have a whole lot of their product all over the place. And they understand that this is this crown jewel space for their own product as well. So it's just been a really good relationship as far as, hey, this isn't working or, hey, would we be able to develop this? And and they're, they're on it. They want this to succeed um, because they're great partners and we want to keep pushing the envelope. But obviously just trying to always see what's out there. You know, Dactronics does a ton of things, but we obviously, we're working with Ross, um, you know, our switches and acuity, yep. Ross Expressions. We got Dreamcatcher for our replay systems. Like you're going to try to grab a whole bunch of different tools and you just right. want the best tools to create uh, the best kind of narrative that you can. And it's not, it's rarely going to be just one thing, right? There's, there's, there's not the one-stop shop for many things. So um, that's, that's kind of where we are right now, but always looking to evolve what you have.
Right. How many people are working on this? So on the, on the, like we call it entertainment experience and production on the Seattle Kraken side. And, and for that group, which is creating a lot of the social content you see, we are creating, you know, elements like ice projection and, and, you know, uh, center ice, you know, half a million dollar shot promotions and, you know, commercial spots and B-roll and everything else. There's 15 of us in that group, right? So that's okay. on the crack inside. So that's your show callers, your scripters. We're working closely with corporate partnerships. You're working with your promo teams. And so that group of 15 is kind of split into two as far as the game presentation side, right? That entertainment experience, but then also just that content and production side as well, which ranges from from creating, because we are a brand new team, videos for human resources or or maybe like working, and this is really common in uh, in pro sports, working on like a free agent video project that's super you know, secretive or whatever. Like, so you're, you're creating the very forward facing stuff, but you're also doing a lot behind the scenes. And when you have no library to pull from last year, Oh, remember Dave last year when this <laughs> happened, we didn't, we didn't have that. So, so there's you're no really, archive. Yeah, there's nothing. So, so that's another role that we talked to a lot of people about. And they were kind of like, Hey, if you can get it, get that archivist role, get that digital asset management person role in your space. So that's something we're working diligently on. We have the person, she's phenomenal, and we're kind of testing the waters, working on this, and then we'll look to be implementing this, you know, over the summer. But um, just to build that archive, because, you know, season one happens, but really quickly, you're celebrating your 10th anniversary. And you're like, remember game six, when that thing happened? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You want to have that, you want to have those things kind of properly logged and and archived for, for us and or for the next people who come into this incredible role. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I guess you, you've got to do like the, uh, the 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 player video pieces where you know they're Absolutely. they're smiling and then they do the arm the crossed arms and don't mess with me look and all that stuff. You've got <laughs> you got to have all that, right? The gladiator shots. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're gonna some of that stuff becomes evergreen, so you can shoot mm-hmm. it once and use it for a few years. And some of the stuff, you know, as guys get traded or retire, um, you know, it goes away. But but they may someday have their jersey retired here. They may someday. Um, you know, just w- come back, right? And you want to use mm. some of those elements. I learned a lot of that at Madison Square Garden. It was interesting how they had archived up until this point, and and even there, they would they would admit it themselves. It's like, oh, we could do a better job with our digital asset management. And we're one year in or half a year in, right? They're like between all those seasons, you're like a hundred years in. So like mm. that's a lot of games. You've literally filmed. You know, I remember working at the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was kind of the same idea. We had all of this craziness going on with um Betamax and 16 millimeter film and like we had to kind of transfer all of that content as DVDs were coming around and then you know it's like these video files is that going to last and so so when you have to go back and grandfather in content um that's a that's a much heavier lift so we're trying to mitigate that as much as we can yeah it's interesting uh, it, i guess technically it used to be a lot harder to pull off what you're doing now but the flip side of that is there's a lot more that you have to produce than in the old days. Absolutely. You're you're putting out so much content and you're trying to individualize something on Instagram versus Twitter versus LinkedIn versus mm-hmm. in arena versus the app. And and that's that's something like strategy wise, I think, you know, that's that's something everyone's working on. How are we unique and original? And and but also how are we creating content that can be used in multiple ways, you know, because it's, it's, you don't need to create, Oh, uh, we have, we have Mark Giordano, right. A legendary hockey player tomorrow night's going to be his, 
his, uh, well, we're honoring his 1000th game, the silver stick ceremony. It's like, that's really cool. Do you need a different sort of acknowledgement or graphic on every single one of those channels? Or do you keep it very brand centric with a look? And then you figure out whatever the, the, um, you know, content design look needs to be to fit that scale. And then you go from there. So it's, it's, it's a pretty subjective space, but you're always trying to work with the narrative and story in, in mind first, you're trying mm-hmm. to work uh, smarter, right? Not harder. Cause we, we all work hard. We know that, but there's a lot of content to create. And once you start, you don't want to be, you don't want to pull back. You want to only add to it. So we started out of the gate with a lot. We know we have a lot more stories to tell. We know we can engage Seattle and Kraken fans in, in such a different way and, and further it. And uh, you know, like we said, scratching the surface we've started, but now we got to keep rising. Is the pregame show the like the, the big job, the, the the one that sucks up most of the time? Yeah, I think I think depending on the organization, it, it can be a little bit different. Here, it, it was a big part of the show. Uh, we ran into uh, a couple bumps along the way, just again with the arena opening, supply chain issues, not being able to load some of our beautiful set pieces, you know, for the opening night. And it was mm-hmm. honestly one of the more frustrating moments um, for a lot of us because it just it wasn't we weren't able to physically do it. Um, but we got there and and come the new year, we were in place and it's in motion. And it does take a lot of our focus and attention. But, you know, as cool as the moment is, it, it can get cooler. And and we're, we're excited to kind of evolve it and grow it. And now that we have all the pieces in place, kind of kind of take that next iteration up another level. Yeah, that was going to be my last question is what now that you've kind of got yourself grounded there and sorted out all the technology and the folks and know what everybody's good at and the, the drill, what what's coming? Yeah, you, I think that you could tell me about. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's a whole bunch of exciting things that I'm not going to tell you about right now, my friend. But uh, but we but, you know, I think starting a new franchise just because I've, I've been super lucky or super crazy, probably both. To have, to have done this now a couple of times, I think you got to look at like being a part of a new organization much more than just like a few games or, or a season. I just, I think it's to really get your footing and your, your, your steps right for every part of the business. It's, it's two to three years easy. It's not a one year thing. So there's a lot that, you know, we dreamed up a year ago that just wasn't able to come to fruition this year for a million great reasons. Um, but, but as you get into actually activating, right. Pre-op mode versus operating mode, very different for us, right. The, the red light goes on, you know, lights, camera action. How, you see how people handle it. You see how the equipment functions. You see what you dreamed up while we were in on zoom calls saying, Hey, you know, it'd be cool as a camera that does this and does this. Well, now we're using those said cameras and we're like, Oh, you know what else would be cool? So kind of you want to like lock arms. And you want to step on each other's shoulders and, and like jump higher on some of these things. And some of the things that you envision just didn't really land the way you had expected, right? For for a few different reasons. And in my case, I know sometimes I just dilute myself a little bit because I get so excited about so many things and I don't kind of keep it concentrated on just a few big ones. And uh, But I also like to test and learn. So I like to throw a lot against the wall. And it's like, oh, that was great. Oh, that was terrible. Oh, that's workable. Oh, that was terrible. I, I would rather kind of cast that super wide net and work off of that than be like all my eggs in one basket. And whether it works or not, I'm like, well, I just I don't want one basket. I want like 14 baskets. And um, that's a philosophical, you know, difference, probably organization mm-hmm. to organization, sport to sport um, that, you know, just personally, I, that's the way I like to function. It's not right or wrong, but it's definitely the way I look forward to 
you know, evolving into season two, because there's a lot of stuff that we have ready to go that kind of intentionally we're holding back. Like it's ready to go, but we're going to, we're going to wait, we're going to wait. And let's, let's do that over the summer. Let's do that in season two, which (laughs) generally I don't have that level of patience. I get so excited. I'm like, let's do it. Let's get everybody excited. (laughs) But, but I do think the, uh, the chess game, the slow play, you know, uh, sometimes is really thoughtful and strategic and it just, it helps with the pacing of the, that whole experience, right? If, If you do think of that brand launch, not just the day the logo comes out, not just your opening night, not just your first season. You know, it's it's something we're building upon and, and creating an equity with. Uh, it's it's a nuanced art, I think, over the next couple of years that we're going to be working on. Hmm. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time with me. Oh, Dave, thank you so much for asking. Anytime you want to chat about this kind of stuff, I, I would love to be a guest. It's an honor to be on 16.9 Podcast and uh, really, really happy to, to share some energy with you, partner. That's great. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 169, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is Screenfeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at screenfeed.com. 169, the blog and the podcast, are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.